server. The links are on freeteam.nl slash patapu.
This is David Jansen. Drug abuse is epidemic. It's a major cause of crime. An addict with a $50 a day habit steals about $250 worth of merchandise to support his habit. What's being done about it? The U.S. Customs, for one, is trying to break up drug smuggling rings. What can citizens do to help? Get involved in community drives to eradicate drug abuse. Stop the drug traffic. Your country will thank you for it. Hell no!
me socks and me shoes so much For this a shawl in temple So set a better example Girl you have to smile with your dimple Girl you must check me say me simple So me have to learn about the tiger style Let me have to tell you about the snake style Let me have to tell you about the martial arts Singing at the Shaolin Temple Watch and Tense me tense Tense me tense Tense me tense about that tear down my feet A kick to your chin you just a jump and spin Kick it to your chest me said you won't forget this Tense me tense Tense me tense Tense me tense about that tear down my feet
prochaine fois Il y a KCRW, Nina Hagen, thank you so much for coming in and playing for us today and uh, sh sharing the, uh, the, the thoughts and uh, the feelings with us. Uh, as you said, you, you're off to New York to, to play and then you're into uh, Europe to play some gigs. When can we uh, expect to see you back in California and when is this new music going to be released, do you think? We are back in town beginning of September, entering studio, put it all on a CD, burn it and throw it towards you. Throw it out there. Well, good luck with the tour, good luck with the new music, and thanks, thanks again for, for coming in. We, we really appreciate it. Yeah. My thanks One love. Thank you. Ooh. My thanks to Nina Hagen and her band, and I actually have everybody's names here, so why don't I do that? Uh, Paul Russler, keyboards, Jeff Mintz on drums, Joshua Lopez on guitar, and Brad Van Lonen on bass. I hope I got all that right. Yeah? Totally. Okay, thanks uh, again. For, for joining us guys we do appreciate it okay. and uh, as I said Nina Nina on her way to, to New York City and uh, to doing great work out there thanks to Nina thanks to Barbara Baker and Timothy Eaton uh, who are the uh, the managers of Nina Hagen these days Theo Mandel our engineer Kelly Cowan as well Sterling Meredith for in-studio assistance Ariana Morgenstern for producing this program thank you to you for listening and tomorrow we will be joined by Lisa Germano tickling the ivories This is KCRW Santa Monica at 89.9, KCRY Indio Palm Springs 89.3, and KCRU Oxnard Ventura 89.1 FM. KCRW is a community service of Santa Monica College, National Public Radio for more of Southern California.
Deutschlandlandung.
universes beyond imagination. There are endless amounts of universes by sensational creation.
Savina. Are you going back?
Tudo tão bacana, mas não digo nada Não digo nada Queria ver você de branco, mas não digo nada Não digo nada Eu vejo seu sorriso desfilando na calçada No bar a nossa espera com uma fanta bem gelada Acho tudo tão estranho, mas não digo nada Não digo nada Queria seu olhar castanho, mas não digo nada Não digo nada Eu vejo seu sorriso desfilando na calçada No bar a nossa espera, uma fanta bem gelada sun beat hard on them. The monk wiped the sweat and dust off its face and paused, leaning forward on the horse's neck. It peered down through the shimmering heat haze at a large outcrop of rock which stood out onto the floor of the valley. There, behind that outcrop, was where the monk thought, or rather passionately believed to the core of its being, the door would appear. It tried to focus more closely, but the details of the view swam confusingly in the hot rising air. As it sat back in its saddle, was about to prod the horse onward, it suddenly noticed a rather odd thing. On a flattish wall of rock nearby, in fact so nearby that the monk was surprised not to have noticed it before, was a large painting. The painting was crudely drawn, though not without a certain stylish sweep of line, and seemed very old, possibly very, very old indeed. The paint was faded, chipped, and patchy, and it was difficult to discern with any clarity what the picture was. The monk approached the picture more closely. It looked like a primitive hunting scene. The group of purple, multi-limbed creatures were clearly early hunters. They carried rough spears and were in hot pursuit of a large, horned and armoured creature, which appeared to have been wounded in the hunt already. The colours were now so dim as to be almost non-existent. In fact, all that could be clearly seen was the white of the hunter's teeth, which seemed to shine with a whiteness whose luster was undimmed by the passage of what must have been many thousands of years. In fact, they even put the monk's own teeth to shame, and he'd cleaned them only that morning. The monk had seen paintings like this before, but only in pictures or on the TV, never in real life. They were usually to be found in caves, where they were protected from the elements, otherwise they would not have survived. The monk looked more carefully at the immediate environs of the rock wall, and noticed that, though not exactly in a cave, it was nevertheless protected by a large overhang, and was well sheltered from the wind and rain. Odd, though, that it should have managed to last so long. Odder still that it should appear not to have been discovered. Such cave paintings as there were were all famous and familiar images, but this was not one that he had ever seen before. Perhaps this was a dramatic and historic find he had made. Perhaps if he were to return to the city and announce this discovery, he would be welcomed back, given a new motherboard after all, and allowed to believe... to believe... believe what? He paused, blinked and shook his head to clear a momentary system error. He pulled himself up short. He believed in a door. He must find that door. The door was the way to... to... The door was the way. Good. Capital letters are always the best way of dealing with things you didn't have a good answer to. 
Briskly, he tugged the horse's head round and urged it onward and downward. Within a few minutes more of tricky manoeuvring, they had reached the valley floor, and he was momentarily disconcerted to discover that the fine top layer of dust that had settled on the brown parched earth was indeed a very pale brownish pink, particularly on the banks of the sluggish trickle of mud, which was all that remained in the hot season of the river that flowed through the valley when the rains came. He dismounted and bent down to feel the pink dust and run it through his fingers. It was very fine and soft and felt pleasant as he rubbed it on his skin. It was about the same colour, perhaps a little paler. The horse was looking at him. He realised, a little belatedly perhaps, that the horse must be extremely thirsty. He was extremely thirsty himself, but had tried to keep his mind off it. He unbuckled the water flask from the saddle. It was pathetically light. He unscrewed the top and took one single swig. Then he poured a little into his cupped hand and offered it to the horse who slurped at it greedily and briefly. The horse looked at him again. The monk shook his head sadly, resealed the bottle and replaced it. He knew, in that small part of his mind where he kept factual and logical information, that it would not last much longer, and that without it, neither would they. It was only his belief that kept him going, currently his belief in the door. He brushed the pink dust from his rough habit, and then stood looking at the rocky outcrop a mere hundred yards distant. He looked at it not without a slight, tiny trepidation, although the major part of his mind was firm in its eternal and unshakable belief that there would be a door behind the outcrop, and that the door would be the way, yet the tiny part of his brain that understood about the water bottle could not help but recall past disappointments, and sounded a very tiny but jarring note of caution. If he elected not to go and see the door for himself, then he would continue to believe in it forever. It would be the lodestone of his life. What little was left of it, said the part of his brain that knew about the water bottle. If, on the other hand, he went to pay his respects to the door and it wasn't there, what then? The horse whinnied impatiently. The answer, of course, was very simple. He had a whole board of circuits for dealing with exactly this problem. In fact, this was the very heart of his function. He would continue to believe in it, whatever the facts turned out to be. What else was the meaning of belief? The door would still be there, even if the door was not. He pulled himself together. The door would be there, and he must now go to it, because the door was the way. Instead of remounting his horse, he led it. The way was but a short way, and he should enter the presence of the door in humility. He walked, brave and erect, with solemn slowness. He approached the rocky outcrop. He reached it. He turned the corner. He looked. The door was there. The horse, it must be said, was quite surprised. The monk fell to his knees in awe and bewilderment. So braced was he for dealing with the disappointment that was habitually his lot, that though he would never know to admit it, he was completely unprepared for this. He stared at the door in sheer blank system error. It was a door such as he had never seen before. All the doors he knew were great steel-reinforced things because of all the video recorders and dishwashers that were kept behind them, plus, of course, all the expensive electric monks that were needed to believe in it all. This one was simple, wooden and small, about his own size. A monk-sized door, painted white, with a single slightly dented brass knob, slightly less than halfway up one side. It was set simply in the rock face, with no explanation as to its origin or purpose. Hardly knowing how he dared, the poor startled monk